know about you, but I think there is something deep inside most of us that cringes at the suggestion that what we have doesn't belong to us. If we work for it, we want to control it, right? And we don't just trust other folks to know how best to spend it. One of the, the foundational catalysts that led to, the, to uh, America's Revolutionary War was taxation without representation, being taxed without getting a say-so. And if you think we don't like paying taxes, I don't know, do you like paying? I don't, I don't like paying taxes. But if, 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 if you think we don't like paying taxes, I want you to meet the residents of Jerusalem during Jesus' time. Israel is an occupied territory, a Roman province. The Romans let the Jews have their temple worship, but they are taxed unfairly to support the Roman capital. And the Israelites enjoy very few rights because they are not truly Roman citizens. Now, there's a group of Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees, on one side of the aisle determined to overthrow the pagan Roman government to kick them out of Jerusalem. On the other side of the debate are the Herodians, the Jews who have benefited rather nicely from the Roman occupation. As you might imagine, the Pharisees and the Herodians did not get along very well. They didn't agree on a whole lot. However, they did agree on one thing. And that one thing was that Jesus needed to go. Listen again to the very beginning of our passage. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words, to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Given what I've just said, do you get what kind of big deal this is? This is like the Republicans and the Democrats actually agreeing on something. It just doesn't happen. Okay? Except here it is, and the reason is Jesus. It's to get rid of Jesus. It is to dra trap Jesus. And so here is what they do. They plant a question in the crowd. A question about paying taxes to the Romans. If Jesus says it's unlawful to pay taxes, as the Pharisees think, but they are too afraid to teach publicly, then the Romans will snatch him up as, a, as, a, as an instigator. If Jesus says that it's fine to pay taxes to the Romans, then the re religious zealots in the crowd are going to stone him for going against God's word. It is a no-win situation for Jesus. And so the question is asked, is it lawful to pay taxes to the Roman emperor? Jesus answers the question with the question, because that's what Jesus does. Anybody got a coin, he asks. Now, he's not about to do a magic trick, although that'd be pretty cool. He, he, he doesn't even have a coin on him. The king of kings, the lord of lords, his wallet is empty. you got to imagine this is an embarrassing moment for the Herodians and the Pharisees 
as they dig into their pockets and produce a coin because the Pharisees shouldn't have one either. They, again, think that the Roman currency is appalling to God. And here they are in the courts of the temple, God's temple. And so if they have one, they have exposed their hypocrisy in front of the crowd. And so they nervously hand Jesus a coin, and he looks at it as if he's never seen one before. Whose image is this, he asks, and whose inscription? The word in Greek is icon. Uh, Whose icon, whose image is on this coin, Jesus asked them. Well, duh. It's the image of the emperor. Maybe Jesus isn't as smart as he looks. Without going any further, Jesus says, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. The literal translation would be, Pay back Caesar what belongs to him. Pay back God what belongs to God. Give to them what they deserve. Now, just to be clear, Jesus is not talking about taxes at all. Jesus says, give to God what has God's image on it. This is bigger than a tax. It's bigger than a picture on a coin. This is a question of what belongs to God. So for the last two weeks, we have been uh, dealing with some enemies of gratitude. We have been looking at things that keep us from being thankful, from especially thankful towards God. And we began by looking at how disappointment can rob us of gratitude. Loss in its various forms, if not handled appropriately, can kill our gratitude. Last week, we looked at the enemy of entitlement, the idea that we somehow deserve God's love and forgiveness and his invitation to a relationship, that somehow we are good enough for it all. But in fact, we we don't deserve anything. We aren't good enough, yet in God's mercy, God still invites us into a relationship. God still offers us love and forgiveness. And if we forget this, if we forget that we don't deserve anything that God gives us, then we kill gratitude in our lives. And this morning, our, our enemy of gratitude is greed. It's greed. That's right, greed. And that may sound strange considering that I've just told you that what Jesus is talking about has nothing to do with money or taxes. He's not really talking about money, even though a coin was used to make his point. But I want you to think of uh, greed a little differently in a different light. Normally when we think of greed, we think of it in terms of wealth, right? In, In gaining wealth. And that's certainly fair and it's usually the case. But greed is any intense and selfish desire for something. Greed is any intense and selfish desire for something. Typically, when we talk about greed, we talk about intense and selfish desire for wealth, for money. But it could also be for power, it could be for food, it could be for position, it could be for anything. We can have greed, we can be greedy for anything. We can have an intense and selfish desire for anything, including our very lives, our very selves. We could be incredibly greedy and selfish with our own lives. We like having control. I like having control, don't you? I like being in control of my life. 
We like having our own say in things. Maybe it's partly due to our human nature. Or the fact that we as Americans, we live in this country where we focus so much on our individual rights, and, and those are important. But we can, we can desire intensely and selfishly to have control over our lives, to be greedy with our very selves. So much so that we can keep God out of the equation. We, we turn our backs on God's ways and God's leading. But Jesus reminds us in our passage to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God, what is God's. Now, the coin belongs to Caesar because it has his image on it, right? Then what has God's image on it? Who or what has God's image on it? Stamped on it. That would be you. You weren't, 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 weren't following me there. You are stamped with the image of God. I am stamped with the image of God. You and I were created and made in the image of God. And so, guess what? We belong to God. And we are to give ourselves to God. We aren't to be greedy with our lives. We need to be selfless so that God can use us. So let's just take for a moment, in case you, like, you don't believe me, like the preacher's just lying, I don't, you don't know what he's talking about. So let's just take for a moment, let's go back to the very beginning. We've got to go back to the beginning of, of, of the scriptures, we've got to go back to Genesis chapter 1. And so God is, man, God's just speaking and creating, speaking and creating, speaking and creating. It's fascinating stuff. With his very words, God is making life happen. He is creating. So he's speaking and creating, speaking and creating, and we get to the sixth day. And this is what God says. Let us, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, in order to keep gratitude in our lives, in order to remain thankful to God, we have to kill the enemy of greed. And the way we destroy the enemy of greed is to remind ourselves that we are made in the image of God and we ultimately belong to God. We are made in the image of God. Each one of us, every one of us, people that we go to work with, people that we go to school with, people that we um, live with are all made in the image of, the God, of God. People that you love are made in the image of God. Guess what? People that you do not love are made in the image of God. People that have hurt you are made in the image of God. People that, uh, that do nothing but good to you are made in the image of God. We are all created in the image of God, and just because you don't like that doesn't mean it's not true. And because we are made in God's image, we need to act like it. We need to give to God what is God's? We need to give ourselves. But how do we do that? Well, we need to remember that we can't do it on our own. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but we need to remember that the image of God that, that, that God made us in has been broken. 
in just a few chapters, less than a few chapters, in chapter 3, Adam and Eve would disobey God and sin would enter the world. They would act with greed. They had an intense, selfish desire for something that was not their own. The image of God in us would be broken. But God seeks to restore that image through his son, Jesus. Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin and seeks to restore the image of God that we were made in. And so Christ, through Christ, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we can live in that restored image. How do we do that? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, it means two things. And these two things keep gratitude and thankfulness growing in our lives, and it destroys greed from festering. To be made in the image of God means we must resemble and represent. We must resemble and represent. We must resemble and represent God. When I say that we resemble God, I mean that God chose to create us with some of the same characteristics as God. Scripture tells us that all of creation reflects the aspects of God, but human beings resemble God in a special way. We are given the ability to know God. And in order to know something, you have to have a special connection with it. That's often seen through worship, what we're doing right now. The more we know God, the more we're going to worship God. And worship is something that, that feeds our gratitude towards God. And you can't worship God without gratitude. So those things mutually feed each other. The more gratitude we have, the more we're going to worship God. The more we worship God, the more we're going to have gratitude towards God. And those are greed killers. Those are going to destroy greed in our lives. But there's another way that we resemble God. God says in, our passage, in the passage from Genesis 1, he says, let us make mankind in our image, male and female, he created them. When God refers to himself, he speaks of himself as us. God is not a single I, but is in fact a trinity. One of those hard, hard concepts for us to wrap our human brains around. It's a unity that includes difference. A unity that includes difference. And when God creates humans, you and me, he makes them in his image as male and female. Unity with a difference. You see, humans, you and I, we resemble God by being different yet unified. Like, think about it like the, like the notes in, uh, different notes in a chord, that when they come together, they make harmony. Unity with a difference. The more we stay together in our differences and uniqueness, the more we resemble God and give to God what is God's. But there's more. There's more. We not only resemble God, but we were created to represent God in the world. We were created to represent God in the world. Just as Caesar's image on the coin was used to declare his authority throughout the Roman world, the image of God on us and in us is meant to declare God's sovereignty 
over all the world. We're to be God's representatives. Wherever we go, we are declaring God's sovereignty and reign over the world. Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. Paul tells us to, go, to be God's ambassadors, to represent God. We're to be salt and light. We're to be a city on a hill so others may know God and know of his loving kindness. As God's special creation, we're called to resemble and to represent God. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. That's how we destroy the enemy of greed and we remain thankful towards God. So how are you? How are you resembling God to those around you? Are you able to remain together even in our differences? I mean, we may need more of that today than ever before to remain together even in our differences. How are you representing God to those around you? Do others know God from seeing you, from, from listening to you, from being around you? Wherever we go, we are to represent God. Kings... Back in, in the day, they would create these statues, these images of themselves all over the place to remind people of who was in charge, who was in control, who had authority and sovereignty. God has created us as his representatives that his image would show through, that others would know who was sovereign, who was in control. Are we representing God? We were made in his image, and that means we are called to represent God. Jesus says in our passage, essentially, let Caesar have his little coins. Let Caesar have his little coins. But let the people of God decide today who they will follow. Who they will serve. Let the followers of God decide today that what they have what they are, what they do, what they think, that it all belongs to the one who knew you, who knew you and me before we were ever knit together in our mother's womb. Ask yourself this question. What belongs to God? Ask yourself that question. What belongs to God? The answer to that question is you. Me, all of us, ask ourselves the question, what belongs to God, and then find a way to put it back into God's hands. Remember, I love you. God loves you. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, with thankfulness, we give you praise and honor and glory this day. We do pray that you would destroy, weed out, kill any greed, any intense, selfish desires that we have. And allow us to grow gratitude in us. Remind us that no matter what anybody else thinks, that we are made in the image of God. Not only is that amazing to think about, that you 
would give of yourself that you would make us like you. But remind us of the responsibility that we have to resemble, to represent you to the world. Father, again, we are so thankful for so many things. We're especially thankful for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.